Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me uh, tell you about Keith Miller, psychic teacher, researcher, and author about paranormal topics. His latest work is Subtle Energy. He has been involved in esoteric and occult communities since his youth. From a young age, he has been involved in teaching people to develop their own psychic abilities. He holds a master's degree in transpersonal psychology from Atlantic University, a bachelor's in psychology from Ohio University, and in addition to studying parapsychology and the paranormal, he's also studied a number of different ritual magic and sorcery traditions from around the world. Keith, it's great to have you with us. Welcome. George, thanks for having me on, and thanks for the introduction there. It's wonderful. I'm looking forward to this. How how did this all start for you? So, you know, when I was a a kid, um, I I usually say I was just kind of too dumb to realize uh, (laughs) that, you know, that that, that something was going on that uh, other people didn't have going on. And, you know, a lot of kids, when when they're young, they they see spirits or they talk to ghosts or whatever like that, and they kind of grow out of it. You know, their parents kind of tell them, hey, look under the bed, you don't see anything there, there's nothing there. Right. Um, and kids learn to, to go like that. And I, I like to say, like I said, I was just uh, a little bit too dumb, a little too slow to figure out that I should be paying attention to my physical senses more. Um, so that kind of started with me, and I had all these kind of weird psychic experiences that it took me a while to figure out were were something that other people weren't having, right? And... Along the way, people would ask me, okay, well, can you teach me to do this? You know, they'd figure out it, mm-hmm. and I can tell if somebody's lying or something. They'd say, well, can you teach me to do this? And when I was a kid, you know, again, you know, in our hubris, we'll say something like, well, yeah, let me let me tell you. And they'll say, well, can you teach me how to, like, read a mind? Okay, well, yeah, just listen to what's going on in the other person's mind. Well, okay, that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> so, so, um Basically, that stuck with me for for a long time. I was involved in the like late nineties, early two thousands. I would teach online and things like this, but I wasn't very effective at it because there hasn't been a lot of research in how people learn these skills. And so that's what I went to Atlantic to study was to look at how how people can develop psychic skills, particularly. Because we know how to teach people, and we know generally about psychic ability, but up until very recently, there hasn't been a lot of work done on how do we actually teach psychic skills specifically. And we've all got the ability, don't we? That's right, yes. Um, I have yet to meet, and I've met a lot of people who say that, you know, I'm not psychic, I don't have any, any ability or anything like that. I've yet to meet somebody for whom that's actually true. I'm not going to say definitively, you know, oh, absolutely, everybody has, you know, the ability. But I'm not going to say, you know, the the vast majority of people, nobody I've ever met hasn't been able to do something, right? And there's a lot of research that's gone into this that shows most people have had some kind of psychic experience, right? Ian Stevenson in the 70s down at UVA, did a lot of research and, and showed the vast majority of people have had the experience, for example, where they go to pick up the phone to call somebody, and at that moment, you know, that person's calling them. And that's fundamentally, this is, you know, a psychic ability, and it's just a matter of whether or not we've practiced that. So what I like to tell people, you know, it's a lot like super tasting, right? You have these guys that can, like, taste an incredible 
small details like fine, fine things in foods or in wines, for example, that I can't taste, for example. And if they practice, right, they can become like a sommelier. They can become really good at like tasting wine and identifying what regions they come from and things like that. But if they don't practice it, then they just have this, they can taste something, but they don't. They can't do anything with it. And at the same time, somebody who's not a super taster, right? Somebody who's just a normal guy with a mouth, right? Who could taste? Um, if they practice and they train and they, you know, taste all these different regions of wine and so on, they can get very good, and they'd actually be better than the person who's a super taster. Without, uh, if, who doesn't have any training, right? So a, a an average person with just an average amount of psychic ability, who doesn't even consider themselves a psychic, who practices and trains, will often get much better results when we actually look at the, the their performance on, on general ESP tasks or things like that. They can get much better results after they've done some kind of practice, after they've done some kind of training, than somebody who is naturally very, very psychic, but hasn't actually practiced it or developed it in any way. I was going to say, Keith, what gives the, the, the natural people with this incredible ability, what gives them that upper hand over someone who's got the ability but can't use it? So there's a, a couple different factors that can go into the, the ability to perform psychically. And, and you know, I know there's been, there's been considerable research looking into genetic links or family links. There's been a lot of looking into spiritual links. There was a researcher um, named Beverly Napperstick wrote a book in, um, called Your Sixth Sense, and she talks about the, basically five different ways that people will become active psychically. And in some portion of the population, it's people who are just born with it. It's people like myself who were just not um, savvy enough to put it away. When, Like I said, most children, you know, children talk to spirits, children talk to things that aren't there, so to say, uh, all the time. And, the, you know, oftentimes those things actually are there, Right. Um, so it can be childhood experiences that just kind of lead to that perpetuating or lead to that um, sense being a little bit more developed. It can be things like trauma, where it's become a survival mechanism for somebody. You have people who have been raised in unfortunate circumstances or who have undergone um, traumatic experiences will sometimes kind of, their, their traditional senses, you know, their normal five senses aren't cutting it. So they flip over and they start using this extrasensory perception to fill in gaps in order to keep themselves safe. That's a very common one, unfortunately. There are people who have experiences with what um, Rhea White would call an exceptional human experience, right? And this is any of these experiences like alien abductions, um, angelic visitations, uh, or you know, just, just any kind of strange, exceptional experience, um, cryptid sightings, things like this, uh, UFO sightings, things like this can all, for whatever reason, can activate psychic ability a little bit. And people with, you know, who, who are in close proximity to spiritual teachers, gurus, things like that, often report that their, their ability heightens. As for the mechanism, uh, you know, we don't have the, the technology right now where we can study this subtle energy or psychic energy in a way that is 
objective, right? So it's very difficult for me to say something definitive. I'm reluctant to say definitive things because we Mm -hmm. still have a lot to learn about what's going on. But those are kind of the trends that can lead towards people having a heightened ability versus, you know, an average person. Have you met anybody, Keith, that just doesn't get it psychically and then somebody else who just picks up on it like that? People who pick up on it like that are um, fairly common. It, It tends to be people who are well, it goes two ways, actually. There, there's people who are very, very, I want to say sense-oriented, right? Very by-the-book, very regimented um, scientific types will sometimes just pick these things up very, very easily. And also, at the same time, creative types, artists, and people who have already have a tendency to look at things a little bit differently, to, to be able to look at things slightly differently. Um, can also pick these things up very quickly. People who struggle with it, the main thing about that is if you have... There, there are factors that go, that go into in, improving um, learning. And one of the biggest one is openness to psychic experience. And that's been borne out for, through research since way back to the 50s, it's it's shown that people who come from what we call psi-believing cultures tend to already have or report higher incidents of psychic uh, experiences from the beginning. And they also tend to be more open to learning it. So if you point out, okay, well, this was a little psychic experience, they can start picking out more and more things like that. And through recognizing it, through recognizing these mental activities, they will start, we start telling our, it basically tells our brain like, hey, I want more of this, right? And so our brain finds that. So people who are closed to it, people who are side disbelieving, people who say, oh no, there's no psychic ability at all, they have a very hard time kind of learning it so long as they are, because they kind of interfere with it themselves. They kind of block it themselves. If, 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 there's a, an effect called uh, a null psi effect that we see in research sometimes where if an experimenter, if a researcher, the actual guy running the experiment, right, not the subject, if the actual guy running the experiment doesn't believe in psi and he's, he's got essentially an agenda to try to disprove it. Well, actually, skeptic, by, right? Yeah, a skeptic, more than a skeptic. Because, um, you know, a skeptic can be a good thing. Right, a skeptic can be somebody who's just like, I'm not sure, and I want to see. But there's there's people who go into it who debunkers, debunkers, debunkers is the right term, yeah. And and when debunkers are doing these things, they will run these studies, and what we find is this null psi effect shows a statistically abnormal absence of psychic ability. So say you're doing like a Zener card test, right, and you're just doing the five the five traditional five card flip um, general ESP test, right? And you would expect by chance that somebody would get that right 20% of the time. Just by chance, they should be able to say star, square, whatever, and randomly they should get 20%. But with these debunkers, when they run these experiments, we're getting people like 1%, 2% of the time are right, 0% of the time are right. And that's a statistically significant score in the opposite direction. That's a score that shows that there's not psychic happening to a degree that is paranormal. <laughs> and um, so that that openness is, is very, very important. 
for in in my personal work, the people who I've run into who simply don't develop are usually it's it's uncommon. They're they're usually I think maybe trying too hard because another factor is this factor of kind of you want to take it lightly. Mindset is is huge for learning any skill. And since psychic ability is like a skill, if you don't have a good mindset for learning, if you're very, very focused on the results and not paying attention to the process, then that can interfere in your ability to uh, learn, essentially. That, that, that blocks your ability to develop the skill because you're focused so much on getting that one specific goal or mm-hmm. outcome. Your, your subtitle of the book, Subtle Energy, is intriguing. A handbook of psychic energy manipulation. Tell me about that. So, yeah, the manipulation term, I, I, sometimes I, I regret using that term because I think people see, see um, psychic energy manipulation and they think I'm talking about manipulating people. Right. Um, and that's, that's an unfortunate... The, the term psychic energy manipulation is what was taught to me when I was a child and I was looking for guidance on how this worked. Um, but the reason for that term specifically, so that's, that's why I included or continued using it, right? Because of what I'm taught and then I'm going to continue to teach along that, that path. But the, the distinction would be, say, something between that and like Reiki. Okay, so with Reiki, for example, that's a healing modality using energy. And a Reiki master doesn't really send the Reiki, they don't choose what it does, they don't shape it or work with it themselves, they're, they're the conduit, they're the channel, and the Reiki energy flows through them and does what it needs to do in the client. And it's, it's doing its own thing. It, it knows what it needs to do to heal somebody because that's what that Reiki current is. It, it comes from this medicine Buddha practice from the uh, Usui in, in Japan. And... That is not intentional on the part of the Reiki master, right? They've, they're simply allowing themselves to be a conduit, and they're, allow, they're putting themselves in a position to allow that to happen. With the, the subtle energy, um, with psychic energy manipulation, we're taking this and, and using it deliberately, right? This is a choice that I want to make something out of this kind of psychic energy. I want to do something with the psychic energy, and then I shape it how I want it. So I'm manipulating it, and then I'm working it almost as if with my hands, sometimes physically with my hands, um, in order to be or do what I want it to do, in order to have the shape I want it to have, in order to have the function that I want it to have, and so on. That's amazing, the work that that goes into this in... Uh the change that you see. I bet you've seen some dramatic change in people. You know, I have, um, yeah, that, that's, that's true. I've definitely seen, it's very empowering, I think, for a lot of people if they have that kind of experience of, of working with these kinds of things. If they, being able to learn any skill, I think, is very empowering, and for a lot of people, that alone is very beneficial. It also a lot of the practices that facilitate good psychic work are practices that can help us in our day-to-day life just psychologically, right, just normally. Because one of the first things I teach uh, to any new student, one, you know, the very first exercise is meditation and concentration. These, these are two 
really important skills for this because the meditation lets us identify what thoughts are our own, right? Habitually, we think that anything that happens in our head is going to be ours. And that's really not always the case, right? A lot of times that can be telepathic information or something, and we just don't recognize it as that. This is very common with people who um, they'll call themselves empaths, right? So, so empathic people who right. feel the emotions of other people on a sense that's more, um, more real or more tangible to them, more visceral to them than just seeing somebody, than sympathy, than seeing somebody who's sad and going, oh, I'm also sad, right? And that meditation lets us identify, okay, this is my emotion and this is their emotion that I'm experiencing. And then that concentration is necessary to kind of, with, especially with subtle energy work, to be able to form the intention. And both of those things, both the, the meditative recognition, the mindfulness of what's going on in your own mind and the outside world uh, at the same time, and the increase in attention, the ability to form a, an almost like a point that is a point of will or a point of intention. Both of those are things that can transform people just in their own routine lives. To say oh, nothing of their psychic development, yeah. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.